are listening to Kingdom Faith, where we focus on the Christian life, the good stuff, and the hard stuff. My name is Phil, and on this week's episode, we get to talk about New Life Ministries. And I have a guest speaker, uh, Pastor Jimmy Staten. He's the, the pastor of New Life Fellowship and the director of New Life Ministries. So Jimmy, let me just, I guess, let's just start out with how did the vision come to be New Life Ministries? Well, thanks again for having me on, and uh, just I know that some people have heard uh, a little bit of that, how it started, but uh, it started back in 2005, and talking about our people in our church, but 2005, it just, there was a moment there when my wife's uh, mother had uh, terminal cancer, and she wanted to see some family members back in uh, Florida, so I volunteered to take her down to Florida, and I had dropped her off uh, to be with her family for about a week. And uh, on the way back, I ended up uh, in a hotel room on the south side of uh, uh, southeast side of uh, Atlanta, and uh, just a, it was a long drive. And I got tired. And basically, in that room, in that motel room, uh, the Lord just gave me a vision to uh, for this church that we're doing with New Life uh, Fellowship to start a, uh, a soup kitchen and a shelter for men and shelter for women and work with some children at children's shelter and and all these things and. I wrestled with that through the night and kept coming up with all these reasons why we couldn't do it and said there's no way we could uh, afford it. We're a small church, but the Lord kept insisting that he called us because we can't do it, but with him we can. And the fact is I kept talking about money, and I just felt the Lord just the Lord just kept saying, hey, I own it all. I'll supply what I call mm-hmm. you to do. And uh, so in, in 2007, we started the first one about 13 months later. But wow. that vision was uh, uh, pretty big, and I thought it was bigger than us. And I ended up, I did take down, I found a ministry that was in Florida and went down and toured that, and then came back and actually asked the uh, uh, some church people to go down with me, kind of going into the promised land. Came back that yeah. Sunday and let them all stand before the church and let them speak their minds. And instead of saying, no, we can't do it, they said, no, let's do it. Wow. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, and, I, you know, as many listeners know, I'm part of a New Life Fellowship, but I wasn't. I didn't have the opportunity to be a part of the early on vision, and even just coming in, I knew that the vision was huge. And that's a. You, do you remember how many people that you had starting out when you first got the vision? How many, like how big the church was at that point? Um, I want to say we were probably in the seventies. In the seventies. Um, so about where we are today, too. Yeah, we grew a little bit more, mm-hmm. but as we got closer to more messiness, mm-hmm. I mean, the soup kitchen, everybody kind of jumped on it. We started the men's, or the women's life house with the women's shelter. We started losing a few. Yeah. yeah. We got a little more messier. So we kind of went down in numbers and people, but that so, was okay. Yeah, and that kind of leads me into this this next question for you, Jimmy, is, is what were some of the difficulties early on? With that big of a vision, there had to be at least some some difficulties. Yeah, I think uh, some of those difficulties were right. You know, as a pastor, the first thing is, okay, is the church going to grasp this? Or are they going to say, uh, you're crazy, you need to get on down the road, we find a new pastor. <laughs> um, but uh, I think some of those difficulties came as uh, as I kind of expressed and shared the vision. I think more questions, even in myself, were rising up. Um, so some of those were how can you give an answer to all these questions? And I think the, the answer to that is we had to wait for some of the answers. And that was a difficult because sometimes people want answers today. And that was a difficult piece. And funding was another one. 
How are we going to fund this? How are we going to fund this? But I'll say that uh, when we did open the soup kitchen without the, after the first week, um, we got something I never even thought of. We got a check in the mail. I didn't even know anything about hmm. check, somebody sending a check in the mail, but it was from a uh, Huntington um, detective. If I go back in the books and try to have somebody find it, we could probably find that old mm-hmm. check, at least a copy of it or something. But um, that guy, he, he wrote a note in that envelope, and he said, uh, I think this is very needed in Huntington. There's wow. a check, I think it was for $35. Mm-hmm. And we was like, what do we do? And all of a sudden, that started a little separate fund. And so that began to work off of that. Because money is a, uh, takes money to run ministries, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think one of the other difficulties there that um, was part of it was there were some people that didn't like that idea. Yeah. And you have to determine, as a pastor, are we going to follow? Are we going to follow what God's called us to do and try to bring as many and be very transparent, and very mm-hmm. you know, be easy with it and share it and try to grab and not just run away with the vision but you have to kind of circle back and kind of put your arms out there and uh bring him in with you because if you don't you'll leave many people behind the unfortunate part is some people will say goodbye mm-hmm. when you have these kind of ministries um but that's okay it's just a difficult sometimes to say goodbye um and we had a few of those in the beginning and also the growing pains that some people will begin to start to come to church and they don't look like you and and they have some messes in their lives, and they're just more open about their messes. So I think it's just, it, I think some of the difficulties were all about the ministries, but also how it overflowed into the church and the finances. And then the biggest difficulty was, for me, was being with my peers, um, other pastors. And some of them were saying, what are you doing, man? Mm. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't church stuff. Um, if we're going to do that, that should be a ministry and not under a church. I've heard that a lot. The other part was you share things, and I've been called Holy Roller and the mm-hmm. Baptist Pentecostal guy or whatever. And, and sometimes somebody would say, well, you just don't got enough education for that. So I think a lot of it was personal difficulties that I had to work through because uh, some people, you know, you want to hear encouragement. And then from the guys you think you're going to get it from, and there was several guys that did give encouragement, but sometimes it's the ones that were discouraging mm-hmm. were the ones that had the louder voice. Mm-hmm. So I had to work through that as yeah. a pastor, and uh, but it drew me closer to God. Yeah, and you know, with that with that encouragement, you know, I can only only imagine. You know, you could have fifty encouraging words, but sometimes that that one discouraging word of that one person that says, "Oh, you can't do it," speaks louder than. No matter who it is, but a lot of times we'll speak louder than the 50 encouraging words. Um, and that's what you know, sets with you. Maybe I'm not educated enough. Maybe, right. maybe we are too small. There's no way that we can fund it. And, and I think a lot of times you know, that sometimes sits with us, not only you know, as a pastor, but you know, like you said, mm-hmm. the, the congregation, your church, you know, they had to also process that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of an obstacle too. Yeah, it is. It was an obstacle. And along with that, another difficulty, I think, that um, the church embraced better than I thought they would. We still had a few that were like, whoa, what are you doing? As we continue to go down this road of uh, these, you know, all this this big vision was that we have already, we just paid off property out of, off the highway, mm-hmm. off the uh, State Road 9, and 
basically we were going to be the next suburban church. It was eight acres, and it was paid for. We just somebody sent it, gave a check, and it just paid for it. And we thought, well, we can move the ministries when we do them. We'll do them out there. But the Lord just kept saying, no, you're starting to reach people in the inner city. They're not going to be, once you go out there, you're going to cut everybody out. We need to stay downtown. And that decision was really big because we had to figure out what are we going to do with the land? Well, we ended up selling the land, but uh, there were some people that really wanted to to go out Mm -hmm. into the suburban area, the rural area, and uh, be that next suburban church. And uh, we had to make a choice. Yeah, that's a huge difference too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. being in the inner city or being, you know, the suburban churches, yeah. those are two different types of churches mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, and definitely it was on the edge of rural and on suburban, and that's like you're kind of advancing right where the suburban is and mm-hmm. to the advancing the right where rural is, and <laughs> just a whole other different scope of people and different type yeah. of people. And, and, uh, but God you might, was. You might not get as much messiness. Yeah, out there as you would potentially right. as you know in the inner city. Yeah, and I've even had someone say, "I just don't like the way this church is going, and I don't like some of these people that are coming into this church." And they just left. <laughs> like, okay, I can't. You know, yeah. maybe I hope you find what you're looking for, but you're probably not with that kind of attitude. But yeah. unfortunately, we did lose some people. Yeah, yeah, and uh, there was some there was some pruning. You know, with the ministries, and, and we'll talk here just in a, in a second about how they operate, which ones, you know, we, we do here, and, and sort of um, what might be to come, too. But, you know, just with all the messiness and, and things like that, I think at least at least the people we have now, for the most part, I think are, are pretty much okay with the messiness. They understand the brokenness, and, and that messiness, you know, they know that Jesus Christ can, can clean it up, and, and that sort of... You know, we talk about this church being a, a hospital, you know, for, for, for broken people to come and, and be healed. And, and you've said it, you know, you're either in two spots, you're either helping the person, you know, be healed, you know, help them out, or you're on the other side, you know, you need, you're getting healed, you're, you're, right. you're getting helped. So yeah. um, it's definitely difficult, you know, not only for, for you to, to have to, to help people who come in broken and then potentially, you know, because the ministries are, they're moving constantly. And I mean, it's busy all the time. There's people that come and there's people that go. Um, and I think a lot of times, you know, you have to allow God to be your encouragement, allow God to, to help you through, you know, to, to keep going and some of those things, because there's those people, even in our own church, you know, even, even in our own communities, I'll say, you can't do it. You know, there's mm-hmm. no way. Yeah, the community was watching all along, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Jimmy, how do how do these ministries operate? You know, it's that's pretty big, and we're, you have a pretty small church. How how does you know how do they operate? Um, how does the meal ministry operate? How does the women's life house, women and children's house, and, and any future house that might operate? Well, I think one is this is keeping in the parameters and the bookends of what the vision is. Mm-hmm. It keeps us focused so we don't have to focus on other things. Um, so we focus on those those ministries that are still part, you know, that was a part of that mainline vision. Um, and they operate in a way, these ministries operate in a way that we know from the very, very beginning, without faith, it's not going to happen. I mean, we have to have faith and, you know, we have to use some common sense. We have to do those things. But I'm just telling you, faith is is the fuel for these ministries. When we have money, when we don't, we just believe God's going to continue to fund it. When we have positions we need filled, God fills them. 
Um, so our faith is in the Lord, but we don't sit there and and we don't sit in a circle and just wait for God to move. We have to actually be proactive ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we're out doing what we can do. And I think looking at seeing how these operate is to continue to make sure that our directors are working with one another, that they respect one another, our ministries are... I always tell our ministries uh, and our leaders that there's no one program or one one ministry that's more important than the other. That we are uh, that we are part of a uh, new life ministries. We're all part of that, and uh, I think that's a big piece about how we operate. Uh, we're very transparent. Um, I mean, people. Somebody comes in, they can pick up our annual meeting, and it's got all of our finances on it, and our budgets, mm-hmm. and everything like that. We're very transparent. We also know that we have to look in our ministries that when one side is hurting, the other side feels it. So it's that uh, kind of that uh, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So when there's a hurting, when there's something that's hurting in one of our ministries, our whole ministry feels it. And we embrace it and try to encourage the others. And I think what we do with the ministries is we look at it as the church is the key role. The ministries are just an arm of the church. Mm-hmm. Each one of our ministries are an arm. And yes, we have directors for each one of those, but they are, nobody just says, I want to wake up today and I want to go to a soup kitchen. Nobody wakes up today and says, hey, I think I'm going to start living in a shelter. People getting in certain situations and things happen in their lives that draw them to us. And we have to operate in a way that we have to show love, mercy, and a lot of compassion mm-hmm. and meet them where they are. And uh, as I always say, the Lord loves you where you are. I loves you a lot, but he loves you. He'll meet you right where you're at, but he loves you enough not to leave you there. Yeah. And I think what he's done here with us is put us on the crossroads of pain, suffering, hurts, those kind of things. And he's put us there to help the, the people that need to hear that he loves them. Mm-hmm. And we have to operate not as a business. There's a business side, but we have to operate biblically. Yeah. And we have to operate in a way that we know that Jesus is the head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that is the key to to operating any of the ministries. The you know it doesn't matter even who you're dealing with, whether you're feeding a person, you know, every day. As you know, the meal ministry, you know, that's mm-hmm. sort of you know what happens. And and even even in this time, it might look a little different, but the goal is that they would come and be fed, but not mm-hmm. only fed, mm-hmm. you know, physically, but also spiritually. Well, Phil, I would say. You know how another part on how it operates is this is this is a this is a hidden gem. Now there are churches across the country that see what we're doing. They come to visit their mission teams. Mm-hmm. We're looking at now possibly eight for this year. That's just that's just crazy. Mm-hmm. But here we find in in this, you know, people say why is it the hidden gem? You know, there's there's it's. It's more than just what the ministries has. It's it's what the church is a part of. It's what the ministry is a part of together. We have staff members. We have people in our church and ministries that are doing things that are under the age of thirty. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we have people leading music that under under thirty. Mm-hmm. We have people that are uh, serving at the soup kitchen under 30. We have people that have worked and taught classes at the Women's Life House that are under 30. We have several leaders. We have associate pastor, you. We have some other pastors. You know, they're under they're under 30. Mm-hmm. And we have people that are in charge of our nursery, people in charge of our children's church. They're all under 30. 
you don't get these positions in churches like that. Mm-mm. I mean, you got to get in line. You got you know, and you got to go through all the all the procedures, and they got to you know, you, and if you're connected to this family, you might be able to. If not, it <laughs> might not work. But here, um, God has not just given this church a vision for ministry. It's also given some awesome opportunities to raise up young leaders. Um, this church with this ministry is not going to stay this size forever. Mm-hmm. It's going to grow. And the things we have planned for these ministries, it's going to take more people. And then the people that we have doing ministry right now, they're going to be given more opportunities for bigger roles. And uh, I think it's an awesome opportunity for 20-year-olds to get involved. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And to be a part of something so big where other places would not even attempt that. Yeah. So how long has it been since sort of that vision had been put in place? Like, let's say when the the meal ministry first started, how long has it been? Well, the vision's 15 years old now. Yeah. That's been pretty a good. That soup kitchen, the meal ministry, which is our soup kitchen, has been, it's 13 years. I think it's 13 years old now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, with... With having fifteen years, you know, under your under your belt mm-hmm. for the vision, and, and you know, you've seen a lot of good things, and I know you've seen also a lot of hard things. Why haven't you just given up? You know, there's a lot of churches that like to start certain things like this, but they just give up. It got too hard, or or maybe they they didn't have enough finances, whatever it might be. You know, why why hasn't this church just given up in the hard moments? Well, I think uh, for me, you know, being pastor here. Uh, we planted the church 20 years ago as we celebrate 20 mm-hmm. years this year. That's pretty crazy. I think yeah. the first five years, God was just, let, just kind of training me up on how to, how to love people and, mm-hmm. and learning some basic things about pastoring and preaching. And, and then that big vision hit, and it shook my whole world. And um, But we've been going at it ever since, and I've been criticized by putting more too much time in the ministries, not enough time <laughs> in the church. Um, are you a ministry with a church now instead of a church with a ministry? I don't care how you say it. We're doing both. Um, but not to give up is always, uh, I'm not a person who gives up very easily. Um, I believe that God has a will and God give us a vision. And if I do anything else, then I'm out of his will. That's not a good place to be. Mm-hmm. I've already been there before in my early days. Um, when God gave us the vision, you know, vision and God gave me that vision there in that hotel room, I saw it. It's just, it messed with my world. Um, and I knew that, uh, when, when, when the Lord called me to preach, uh, uh, about six years before that, I had, uh, I wanted, I had, I was doing all the things I wanted to do and I wanted to have God, I wanted God to jump on my bandwagon and I wanted to do a, a home for boys and mm-hmm. disciplinary problems. And of course I had everybody's signature, a judge and Allen County and a sheriff back then and everybody's like great do it but I remember not having the Lord's approval on it I already did things without his approval and it doesn't work so um, I asked the Lord to give me his approval on this uh, on this piece with this uh, boys program and uh, but I said Lord you got to give me a sign because I'm not that smart just give me a sign you got to give me a sign because I will climb this mountain. I will get to the top of it. And if I don't have peace, I will find something else. And what I know is um, that uh, he didn't give me the approval that I wanted. But I told him, I said, Lord, whatever you do, 
um, I want you to give me that approval, but I will do whatever you call me to do. But you got to give me a sign. I'll do whatever it is. I will, you know, Phil, here's the thing. I give Jesus my heart when I was 12. Mm-hmm. But I gave him my life when I was 30. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm not saying giving him your life is what no, salvation is first. But because uh, you can't give him your life until you're saved. But at 30, I gave him my life and uh, I was all in. And I gave him opportunity. I gave him, use me, whatever you want. But when he called me to preach, I, I cursed at God. And I said, I'm not doing that. But God has a way of, of, uh, uh, of fixing that. And uh, the sign was, that as I was standing, I felt like I just got stabbed in my back. And I was on my knees before the Lord. And mm. he got my attention. And I said, what about these boys? And he said, I'm going to give you something in the future. It's going to be bigger than these boys. It's going to be bigger than you. And you're not going to make it to the top of the mountain. And you're not going to run and go do something else. That was something I needed to hear. Mm. Before it was six years before the vision that he gave me in that hotel room. That's a six-year span, <laughs> but he did give me that piece to hang on to, and I hung on to that, and stay faithful with that. And then in 2005, when he gave me that vision, I said, "You know, that's the same God that met me when he called me to preach. Mm-hmm. That's the same God. That's the same God." It's the Lord Jesus Christ who was with, working with me through the, through the preachings when I was trying to figure out how to preach and how to love people and how to work with people that said, you're not going to make it, or told my wife, you're not going to be a good preacher's wife, or you're not going to do this. All the negative people, how I got through all that was the Lord was with me and me and my family. And he's speaking to me loud in a hotel room. And I walked into that hotel room, thought it was, I was just going to crash. I was exhausted from that trip to Florida. I was trying to do a turnaround. I couldn't do it. I got in that hotel room. And when I walked out of that hotel room, I was a different man. Mm. I was like, oh, my gosh. God, I had that wrestling whole night. I don't even know if I slept or not. It was just a wrestling piece. And I wake up, and I come out with this fresh, just like a so fresh everything. I'm bringing it to the church, and they were excited. Yeah, we lost a few people, but they were excited. We kept doing it. Then you get some more bumps, and you're like, man, I don't know. People's like, I don't know if we're going to do this. What are we going to do about that? And those bumps come, but it stayed true to the vision. So I can't stop because the vision is so big Mm -hmm. that I'm not going to make it to the mountaintop. Now, this is what I've asked the Lord. I said, Lord, whatever you do, you know, I'm closer to my death than I am (laughs) my birth, right? So I'm 55. And I pray that I got some good time down the road. But I've asked the Lord this. Whatever you do, because sometimes the Lord adds things. You know, with Moses, he'll tell you, go get my people, send them free, bring them to the promised land, right? Mm -hmm. But he didn't talk about Mount Sinai. He didn't talk about all these things. He didn't talk about the Red Sea. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of things that I didn't know of was coming. And I know some of those, more of those things are coming good, great blessings, and some obstacles and some valleys we're going to have to go through. But I asked the Lord this. I said, Lord, I know you have given me a great vision, and I know that kind of like using Moses again. Moses wasn't able to go into the promised land, um, but Joshua took it, and finally the people did get over there. The, the, the people did get over there, but a lot of people didn't make it. Most of mm-hmm. them didn't make it. They left Egypt, but their children did. I asked the Lord that regardless what he does with these ministries, when I'm doing all this stuff and trying to build all these ministries, because, you know, the women and children's house was not part. Yeah. God didn't reveal that in the beginning. But I ask the Lord, no matter, no matter what you do, Lord, I just ask this, that I will be able to open, let me, let me just be, when the children's shelter opens, at least let me turn the door and 
is open. Mm -hmm. Let me at least, I need to complete that before you do anything else with me, whether it puts me here or there, moves me or whatever, or my time in this world is over. Just at least let me turn the door handle to say it's open because I want to fulfill it and I want to finish well. Mm -hmm. I want to finish well. You know, when you look in God's Word, there's a lot of men in there. There's women in there that didn't finish well. They started great, but they didn't finish well. And I want to finish well. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not about having a bunch of keys and a big key ring, which we do have. <laughs> um, but it's about finishing well with God. Yeah, exactly. That's my purpose. I want to fulfill the purpose. Mm -hmm. I want to fulfill the purpose. I can't, I can't afford to quit. Yeah. I can't afford it. I think... I think that's, you know, that's, that's it. You know, you can't afford it. You know, it, it would cost too much, not only for your, your own spirit, your own, your own relationship with God, but also those who, who might come mm -hmm. to, to know Jesus through the ministries. It also yeah. costs them. And, and we've seen a lot of people come to Jesus mm -hmm. through the ministries. Yeah. Come, come yeah. out to church, come go to different churches, whatever it may be. Um, you know, and, and I'm glad, you know, you know, we're not giving up. You didn't give up. And all those things, because I started coming at, down at the the meal ministry in the mm -hmm. very beginning. I don't know if I would have stayed if if maybe I didn't do that, right. you know, because that I kind of grounded me, mm -hmm. showed me what serving Jesus looked like, yeah. showed me what dealing with brokenness looked like, and and I knew about brokenness, but but serving it and, and trying to help it and, and trying to to allow Jesus to to come into other people's lives and, and all those different things that that come about through the ministries because God allows it to. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great blessing to get to see, and I think that itself can can give you enough motivation to keep going. But but some of the things that uh, that I've realized through the ministries is God is ever present. He's never yeah. not here. He's never not doing something. And even in the midst of of the things that we think, okay, will it actually happen, or is it actually possible? Having uh, sixty, seventy people, um, and a, you know, eventually maybe half a million dollar budget mm -hmm. you know when with this right. when this vision's complete maybe more who knows whatever god, <laughs> whatever god adds um you know yeah. all these things that god wants to do mm -hmm. knowing that god is ever present is enough for me to understand that it is possible because we know it isn't possible what we do what we do now is impossible right. with with what we have yeah. if it wasn't for the will and the vision that, that god's given given us yeah there's no way we can do what we do with our own means there's no way and even with the talents that maybe some of our people do have we can't do it without his blessing mm -hmm. at all this is a this is an end this is a this is this is where that faith steps in you're all in or you're not you yeah. can't be halfway in those people you know i love people but sometimes when people come i mean this is a place the more you draw closer to God, we're not a perfect people by no means, but the more you draw closer to the Lord, the more He will reveal things to you. Mm -hmm. Good things and things in your life that aren't so right. Yeah. When people start coming to new life, sometimes God reveals those things that are just not so right. And they want to serve, and sometimes they end up serving, but it just, as you get more and you start, the more, the more you see God move, the more the conviction comes upon you mm -hmm. if you have sin in your life. And sometimes people, they just can't take that. And they have to go on down. And they may, be, they may, you may not even know what it is, and that's between them and the Lord. Mm -hmm. But just being around the Lord and what He does, it reveals sin. It mm -hmm. convicts the believer's heart. Mm -hmm. 
But I wanted to say also with this part about, you know, um, operating, you know, how we operate and also how we uh, not giving up is this. I know there's going to be a time when my time is over. And I believe in investing in young people. And we invested in a lot of young people. And, and your age group right now is from a large investment of many of those that were in our youth group. Yeah. Um, but this is why still today that I still do the nursery about once a month in the, on Sunday nights when we had the Bible study groups. I go in there and then they see me and I get to, to develop a relationship with little ones and uh, to see their smiles on their face and want to reach out. Maybe you want me to pick them up or something. But if they yell out puppets, they know that I'll bring in a bag of puppets <laughs> and we'll just have a good time because I see a Sunday school teacher in there. I see... I see uh, uh, you know, from time to time, I'll look and I'll just like, man, I thought, you know what? Maybe the Lord will call this one to be a pastor. I don't know. This one's going to preach or this one's going to be working the soup kitchen, you know, and going to be running the soup kitchen. Or this one's mm-hmm. going to be, you know, going to be a handy, handy guy that's a construction guy that's going to give time up and work on one of the houses for repairs. And yeah. this guy's going to do one of our breakout groups or uh, that's the future. And there's one thing to talk about the future, but... It's another when you want to get involved with them and really believe it and start putting your hands in there and knowing that we're trying to raise them up, even even starting in the nursery. Yeah. And uh, so I always tell them, hey, if they bring a baby that's in a, a carry-on, they bring them in the sanctuary, you count them. Count them. Not that we're all about numbers, but make them make sure that they're important because they are hearing the Word of God. They are hearing and they're yeah. seeing the mm-hmm. fellowship of God. Even when they're not saved, their eyes are looking. And it's good for young people to be in the house of the Lord because one day we'll all be replaced yeah. by another generation. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take some special people to keep this thing going. <laughs> God's people for sure. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, this this other this other piece that, that I'll ask you, Jimmy, is is there a lot of churches I can imagine that have gotten a vision from God or, or what, what their church is supposed to do? Um you know, maybe it hasn't come yet. Maybe they're praying to see what it might be, whatever it is. What would you say to those churches that are either struggling with doing what God wants them to do or searching for God want, for what God wants them to do? Yeah, being where we are, we receive a lot of outside churches mm-hmm. coming in. Just with the soup kitchen locally, mm-hmm. we have a lot of churches Um and then we have those that are out of state or further away that come and spend a week with us. And I would say the best way I can answer the question is this. My goal is not just for them to... One of my goals for them is when they come, they're going to do work. They're going to serve. They're going to do ministry. They're going to do construction work, whatever. But I don't want them to go in home empty-handed. I want them to see that a small church can do great things. Now, they don't have to copy what we do. They just need to find, they just need to pray and ask God to give them a vision. Mm-hmm. And a vision isn't just, oh, I want more people in my church. The vision isn't, we, we don't think big enough. <laughs> we don't pray big enough. Um, a church up in northwest Indiana, they came, pastor came, they came for a two-day mission day. And they left, and the pastor came in. He said, I just can't believe that a church this size is doing all this. He said, we're running 200 and something. He went back. He said, he called me up later. He said, man, I just got all upset about it. And so I just talked to the Lord. And we're, you know, it was an inspiration mm-hmm. to them and to him. And they started five churches that year. Mm-hmm. Four of those, that was like six, seven, eight years ago. 
And uh, four of those churches are still up and running. And I have a good relationship with two of those pastors now. That's great. Um, one of the mission teams that come out of Mississippi uh, had been coming here for a couple of years, and they're encouraged enough that now they have their own, uh, they're doing a meal. They're not doing a hot meal right now, but they're doing some kind of meal, some type of food distribution mm-hmm. ministry, and they're excited about it. And they've had to buff some issues in their church, but they were like, what can we do? So they come and they see what we do. There's another church in, in Mississippi that had went back and they run a two, three hundred. And they're like, what can we do? And you don't go out and mimic what everybody's doing. That's just mm-hmm. the worst thing you can do as a church. Mm-hmm. You need to pray, ask the Lord, what is the vision? And they went back and they've started some type of food, uh, food uh, distribution or some things like that. And they're also looking at something else. Um, somebody else was looking at doing a, a women's uh, drug rehab house. And that was pretty encouraging to hear that because they came here and because everybody, not everyone, but so many people think that only big churches can do big things. And it's never about the size of the church. It never, it never is. It's about how you believe and how big the size of God is. Yeah. And you got to have a sizable faith. But the Bible even says, faith of a mustard seed. Yeah. You know, you got to have some faith. And uh, I will tell you that it makes you uncomfortable. The vision that God gives will always be one, will always be bigger than you. Uh, it'll be bigger than what the church can do on their own. Mm-hmm. If not, it's not a God's vision. I'll mm-hmm. tell you that right now. God's visions have to be bigger than the people. It was bigger than Moses, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was bigger than Joshua. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's just, it's big. It's big. And I'd also say that you have to know that you can't do it by yourself. That you can't be a micromanager. Although you have to have your nose in things in the beginning. You have to do that. Because everybody's trying to figure it out. You've got to have leadership. But you, the, the vision has to be bigger than yourself. And your faith is going to be tested. And you have to ask God to give you more faith. Mm. And prayer always goes up. <laughs> because there's going to be days when you're not going to have enough money. Yeah. And the thing is, it's not that you don't have enough money. It's just, you just don't have it yet. That's what I've learned. <laughs> it's just not come yet. So, yeah. And it's all turning it back onto the Lord. And when you let the Lord have it, and it's His, He does better than anybody. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. He's amazing. So do you have any, uh, I guess, do you have any final thoughts for people who might be listening? I'd say this. Um, scripture tells us that uh, where much is given, much is acquired. Where much has been entrusted, much more will be asked for. Mm-hmm. So basically what it is is God says, I've given you some things. I'm trusting you with something. And if you're, if you're faithful and you're good, good stewards of what God gives to you, you're faithful he's going to give you more mm-hmm. now sometimes that more is crazy <laughs> that's big but let me tell you let me bring it down to this we just opened up our women and children's house 13 months ago 14 months ago we have somebody that has just recently come in 19 years old mm-hmm. 19 years old not allowed to go home you're out you got pregnant two month old baby and God entrusts us to take care of them mm. yesterday one of our state penitentiaries brought a uh, one of their security guards in uniform, came, 
and dropped off a lady at our women's lighthouse. God is entrusting us with that woman. The state of Indiana is trusting us with that woman. That because she's coming here, something's going to change in her life. Mm-hmm. This place, I'm telling you, this place is awesome. <laughs> it's messy. It gets ugly at times. But it is awesome. Mm-hmm. Now I can go to church and I can stand in the back and lift my hands up on a Sunday morning and praise the Lord and walk, go home and do my thing. Yeah. And say I'm going to do this, say I'm going to do that. Everybody is different right now. Everybody has a different place in their faith. I get it. Not trying to bust anybody out. But there is a gym in the state of Indiana that's right here in Huntington. And I feel privileged to be a leader in it. Mm. And hopefully you do too, Phil. Yeah. Amen. And just knowing that you doesn't you don't know and God looks across the canvas and says, I'm sending this nineteen year old girl, got an attitude. <laughs> And a two-month-old boy, and I want you to love on him. And by the way, you're also getting other lady out of prison. And by the way, you're going to have these people going to come and visit. You're going to have some people come do this. You're going to have people that are going to struggle with this. Mm. And so I just know that I can't quit. This is my life. It is in my blood. But I would not want to be anywhere else in the world. Mm. I don't care what they gave me. Because I can't leave because God called it to me. If he's called you, he'll release you. So many Mm -hmm. people say God's called them to something and they release themselves, which is so dangerous. Mm -hmm. If you say God God leads your life, let God lead your life. And you'll find his will. And his will will always be you're somewhere serving. You're somewhere doing Mm -hmm. something for the Lord. He will use you for something. I love it here, man. I love it here. I do. I do. Um, so our weekly verse uh, this week falls right into to what we're talking about uh, this week. And it's Acts twenty twenty four. It says, But I do not account my life of any value nor precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Um, so again, just a reminder, this is a uh, podcast brought to you by New Life Ministries, what we're talking about this week. Um, if you'd like to give, you can give at newlifeministries-indiana.com. Again, thank you, Jimmy, for being on uh, and talking about the ministries. This won't be the, the only time you're on to talk about the ministries, I'm sure. Um, we do plan on, on having some of the directors of uh, the ministries, mm-hmm. the Women's Life House, and uh, the Meal Ministry on here to, to talk about what they do. It's always good uh, to be here. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. <laughs> In their ministry. So that concludes our episode for this week. If you'd like to leave a comment or a request for an episode, you can email us at kingdomfaith2001 at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for listening to